Hey, guys, everybody good? Doing all right tonight? Okay. Uh, a couple things before we get rolling. Um, first off, um, did anybody get a stomach virus in the last seven days? Just kind of, Anybody in your home, raise your hand. Thank you. I think you may have caught it here. Um, so I think you got, uh, yeah, okay. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul. And, um, and so, yeah, anyway. Uh, second thing is, have y'all enjoyed 3D? Has it been a good experience? Okay, we're going to do it again, all right? We've already got the next one planned. It will be the last two weeks in January, January 24th and January 31st, and then the first Wednesday in February. So go ahead and put that on your calendar. We'll get a few weeks into the new year, and then we'll do it again, and we'll announce those themes coming up. Um, and so uh, I, we can't, you know, let's be real. Every Wednesday night gets monotonous. It gets difficult. We thought about doing it once a month, and I thought it'd be cool, but um, but in order to do a complete series and get as much information, something like this as possible, we felt like we need to do it three weeks in a row. Does that sound good to you guys? And and what's going to be happening is, um, and we'll record these, uh, and they're not online yet. We still, I don't know how to post them online, um, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get them online as soon as we can. Uh, and by the way, there's listening guys over here on this table, if you missed them as long as, as well as pins. Uh, but we'll announce those series. We'll always do a financial seminar during 3D. And so if you haven't taken a financial seminar, uh, some of you, how many of you guys have taken Financial Peace University to show? I know, I know we were like the, the, the first group, right, and a couple more. And uh, this one is called I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. And it's only six weeks, and we've condensed it into three. And the guy that's teaching it is Wade Carey. And Wade has just written a book on budgeting and uh, different things. He, he attends our church, and he teaches that, does a fantastic job. They have a full house in there. And so if you're interested in doing that, uh, we're going to be offering it again in February, in early Jan late January, February. Makes sense? And then we'll have another seminar, and I'm going to actually take a book of the Bible in three weeks and just tear through it. And so uh, we'll, we, we'll – I, I got my wife up here once a year, and so <laughs> – We'll, we'll do that, <laughs> and so we'll, we'll do something else. But uh, put that on your calendar, and, and all that stuff is happening. But let's start off by a word of prayer, okay, guys? Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for our time together. Thank you for what you've been doing in our lives. And I pray, Father, during this time that you would speak, and you'd speak clearly to us. And as we tackle a subject uh, that we're tackling tonight, um, Lord, you would uh, that you would work, and that uh, you would just give Sarah Beth and I the words to say, um, and, and use that in a profound way in the lives of people here. Amen. All right. I believe the most difficult job I'm standing for a minute because I'm going to use this whiteboard in the world is parenting. Would y'all agree? Because, uh, and this is in your in your listening guide, and it's the first blank, I believe. It says, you know, kids, your kids are sinners. Okay, you need, and y'all all agree on that, right? And some of us you say, would say your kids are demons um, at times. Would anybody agree on that? Just kind of a show of hands. Let's just be real. It's just us parents in here talking. I mean, my kids get that way. And I want to be real with you guys. Sarah Beth and I would totally, we are not ideal parents. We have mistakes. We have issues. We're taking research in the Bible and telling you about some of our mistakes. Does that make sense? And every time, I told you, uh, every time we've done a parenting seminar or a sermon series, our family has gone crazy. Uh, the first parenting series we ever did, my son got in a fight in the kids' ministry five minutes before we were supposed. I was supposed to go on stage and preach. I kid you not. And so we are learning this as you are learning this, trying to get understand what's going on. So here's how we're going to work tonight is um, 
where he'll tell you a few things where we've messed up, some of our worst parenting moments, or my worst parenting moments, Sarah Beth never messes up. Uh, one of my worst parenting moments is we bought my, my son had to have a laptop for school. He hated his laptop. He dropped, can I tell this story? Okay. He dropped, he dropped the laptop on the floor or on the counter and said, I hate my laptop. It's not as cool as the other kids, yada, yada. Well, it was a refurbished, like one of those big laptops, you know. But I'm not, yeah, I'm not spending $1,000 for a seventh grade laptop. Would you do that? No. And so uh, I, he, he just, I'd had enough. So I folded it in half and I said, well, fine. And I just threw it out the back door and it skipped across the yard like a pebble. Not a good parenting moment. Yeah, and we have some stellar moments. You have to turn your mic on. Oh. And yeah, so. y'all have probably seen some of our moments. And yeah. you probably will um, see some of our moments. Okay, sorry. Uh, okay, yeah. sorry. No. You're right, I'm on. Yeah, it is with fear and trembling that we come before you and, and very humbly talk about this. So, absolutely. And so what we're going to do, <laughs> fear and trembling. We all in agreement. Let's just go ahead and say we all suck as parents, right? We all feel like it all the time. We, I mean, they make you take a driver's test, but then they give you a baby, all right? And so here's the deal. We're going gonna, gonna to work from it from two perspectives. She's going to give you a lot of the stuff that she deals with with counseling. Y'all know, if you haven't been here before, my wife is a counselor, and she's much more intelligent in the ways of these things than I am. And I'm going to deal with it from a biblical point of view. So everything we're going to do is basically like counseling on top of the Bible and what drips off we don't use. Does that make sense? So here's where we're going to start. If you notice in your notes there, we're going to be Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And and this is kind of a, a two-fold thing. This is kind of an advertisement for my seminar that we're going to be doing uh, in, in January, but as well as just kind of a way to, for us to begin because one of the key verses that we've dealt with is Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4. And basically, and this is the English Standard Version, it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. And here's what I want to do is I want to kind of break this down for you to help you understand. This is one verse. Now, the Bible's a fascinating book. First half is written in Hebrew, second half is written in Greek, and then translated into English. Make sense? And so what we're going to do is break down this sentence for a minute because I want you to get the, the, the essence of what God is calling us to do as far as parents go. It's interesting the simplicity of which the Lord gives us through Scripture. What's difficult is us applying it. Would you all agree on that? And so here's the thing. When we look at this, there are several expressions that, that the Scripture gives us. First of all, we see the word fathers here, which is guess, guess what that means. Fathers, you're great, but parents. We're going to use that synonymously as parents at this point. But there are two imperatives or two commands that God gives us. First of all, there's do not provoke and then bring them up in. Do you see that? Now, here's what God is calling us to do. One is a negative, one is a positive. You follow me on this? The do not provoke your children to anger, and we're going to use a different color for this, is, is the first word. And you'll see that in your notes there. That word anger or exasperate or uh, provoke basically points to this whole concept what God is calling us not to do as parents is to be a provocation to our children so they act out in anger. Or the greater word, I think, is to exasperate. Now, we all, have, the best way I think we talked about what exasperate means is you've ever been to that point where you're just like, God, I can't do anything right. Y'all ever been there before? And that's, that's the kind of exasperation he's talked about. And literally, when we deal with that word, it means a couple things. It's avoiding attitudes, and you, you can jot these notes down and we can give them to you later. It's avoiding attitudes or actions or words that would cause angry exasperation or resentment in your children. 
And if we detail that out and we, and we, really, we really tease that word out even more, and this is what the beauty that the Greek language has that our English language doesn't, is it, is it, really, it really points to a couple of things. That means abuse. When you're abusing your child, you're provoking them in, toward, towards exasperation. There are several types of abuse. We typically think of just physical abuse, right? There's emotional, there's sexual, there's mental, all these things, uh, verbal and so when you're exasperating your child or anger, where they don't do anything, it's almost like an emotional paralysis. And there are several counselors in our church that can probably support that. The idea that, that I believe the Scripture is pointing to is that they're paralyzed and angry people. The other one is parenting through humiliation. Uh, now, I'm guilty of that. Have you all done that before? Uh, and, and, and that's not the God way. And when we humiliate, that's exasperation. A couple of others is unfairness. This unfairness, and I think the idea of unfairness is inconsistency. Is okay, you can have the cookie, and then a week later, no, you can't have the cookie. Make sense? And so it's not who's fair to which child, even though that's an important in sibling relationships. It's also unreasonably harsh demands. I'm not going to make my toddler fill up the dishwasher. That's unreasonable. Agreed? But I am going to make my 13 year old. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? It's unreasonably harsh demands. And then all forms of gross insensitivity to a child's needs. All forms of gross insensitivity to a child's needs. And that goes as any way of showing expressions of affection. I mean, uh, studies have shown if you don't get a hug a day, you begin to really deplete emotionally and mentally, uh, and that because even as adults. And uh, in places like China where they have orphanages filled with children, uh, they're dying not because they're not cared for, it's because they're not touched and loved. Make sense? And so it's important that we understand that and staying away from that exasperation. Now, the flip side of this is this whole concept of bring them up means you've got to raise them this way. And this is where God began to work in my heart. I felt like I had this pretty well, but when I started studying this and really digging deep, and I have to do it analytically, I, I, I began to understand some things that were uh, profound for me in my parenting. I don't always get it right but at least I don't have an excuse. Makes sense? I'm not ignorant anymore, which is kind of bad sometimes if you think about it. But the whole concept of discipline and instruction, and this all comes back to the Lord. And this is where we get our concept right here. I'm going to go with another color. And Sarah Beth's going to do most of the talking for the rest of our time together. Of gospel-centered parenting. I have atrocious handwriting, but I think you get it, right? It's this whole concept that what Christ is calling you to do is not to be a provocation, but to be a Christ-like light in your home. And what this means is the idea of discipline and where I go to, especially growing up as a southern boy, is I'm going to whoop that tail. Y'all with me on that? I'm going to beat you until you get it right. That's not what it means. What basically the concept of discipline means is simply this. It's you warn that child of what's right and wrong, and you correct them when they do it wrong. Now, correction always comes back filtered through this. You see that? So if your correction is exasperating, you're doing more harm than good. You follow that? Now, so when we warn and we correct, we're doing exactly what God calls us to do. The other part of it is this whole concept of instruction, which means if you take these two words here, 
These two words are only used a handful of times in the entirety of the New Testament, and it points back to what the Old Testament talks about, and it's the idea that you know the ordinances and the commandments of the Lord through Scripture, and you instruct your children in that. And when they don't get it right, you warn them and you correct them. Make sense? And so our instruction is really grounded in this whole concept is that we educate them on what the Bible teaches them and we educate them on what God wants them to do. Make sense? This, we're really, you know, most of our parenting is not preventative. It's either maintenance or after the fact, right? If they've done something wrong, we're going to correct them. But what Scripture, what God is telling us is that we want just to be preventative parents, gospel-centered parents, because everything of this comes back to the Lord, right? Because that's the end result. That's the exclamation point on all of this. But the discipline that we're to give out to our children is warn them and correct them in a way that doesn't exasperate them, but instruct them by giving them the clarity of what God wants and what you expect, right? Now, it's not just morality. Most of us picture parenting as that I'm going to teach my children to be, have good morals which is a wonderful thing. Agreed? It goes deeper than that. For a lot of reasons, this word instruction points back to Scripture. And Scripture points back to whom? So it gospel-centered. He said, God doesn't want you to be a good person. He wants you to be a Christ follower, which means you'll become a good person. Make sense? It's pointing them to Jesus. And so I wanted to start there as a foundational element for us. Because everything we're going to talk about in parenting, because Sarah Beth and I are screw-ups a lot of times in our parenting, um, we want to make sure that Scripture is the place that we begin, probably more so than we ever any anywhere else at this moment. And so it's kind of a way to, to begin. Um, if you notice, first of all, you got to understand, and, and this is an introduction that we've already filled in this blank, your kid is a sinner, and so are you. And many times people come to a seminar, whether it be parenting or whether it be marriage, and it's basically, I want you to fix my kid. But this, this seminar is about, about fixing your kid. Uh, and that's the next blank. It's not about fixing your child. Just like the marriage part was not about fixing your spouse. This is about fixing you. <laughs> All right? So it might be a little different than what you think of because most of my parenting problems is because Chip messed up. Y'all with me on that? And how do we handle certain situations? I want to pause for one second here and ask, is there any clarification you may need in this whole little diagram in my scribble, scratch? Good? Clear as mud? All right. So let's begin on what it means to be a gospel-centered parent. So my wife's going to take over the rest of this entire session. Hello? All right. Okay. Um, the first thing I'm going to talk about um, and again, this is like seriously fear and trembling because we are we are screw-ups as parents, and we are trying. We are in process, and by God's grace, um, we are learning every day how to do this. So um, the posture in which you parent, what that means is, you know, does your response to your children tell them that they are needed and wanted? When you look at how Christ approaches us, he doesn't approach us in a punitive manner like, and I think a lot of us feel like he does, but that's that's not who he is. And a right view of God can really change the way that you parent. So looking at your reaction to your children, am I parenting in a way that tells them that they're needed and wanted? Um, and that goes back to what Chip was just talking about, not provoking, not causing resentment. 
Um, and getting our own emotions under control, I think, is a, a huge part, at least for me, when I'm parenting. Um, our responses and how we respond matter to our kids. And Chip was going to go over a couple of um, yeah, verses. I wasn't, I wasn't texting on my phone. I just left my Bible somewhere. So one of the things we have to understand, that parenting posture idea, is Psalm 119, 11. Uh, basically, uh, I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And the more saturated you are with God's word, and this go, all goes under that subheading, parenting posture, the more able you're able to have that posture. Make sense? And the other one's Deuteronomy 6, and it's basically the entirety of the chapter. The nation of Israel was basically commanded by the Lord to do one thing, is that make sure Scripture, make sure God's word was on your foreheads, on your doorposts, in your heart, and you taught it and even sung it to your children and family members. Does that make sense? And so the parenting posture begins there. And, and it's, like she said, it's not about the techniques, it's about your posture. Mm-hmm. Um, when I found out I was pregnant with Cade, I ordered a ton of books, and I had them stacked up next to the bed, and I expected Chip to do the same. Um, Literally, she could take a drink and put it straight up on that book. Yeah. It was like a nightstand. That's how many books she read. Yeah, I was going to be super I read one. prepared. Um, <laughs> and then I had Cade. And I was like, what in the world? He is not anything like these books say. And so my world was rocked. And um, I went to a course uh, a couple years ago on parenting. And we talked about being having a safe home. And this is kind of reflective of that, ha- being a safe parent. And so this taught, and I was so relieved to hear this because I don't know about you guys. Have you all read a lot of books and there's all these techniques? And if you do it this way, your kid will turn out okay. And if you do it that way, they won't. And there's just all this fear and anxiety about it. Well, this course was just talking about having a safe home for your kids. And you're doing well if you are consistent about 40% of the time, which I was like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> and that's, I mean, it's something to aim for. We're not perfect, but who you are is more in than what you say to your kids. And I tend to lecture my kids, and all my infinite wisdom is going to change them. But then if that looks really different than how you live, it's not going to absorb. And if you're living and you're being like Christ, that's what the kid's going to notice. Chip's sister has a plaque, and it says, my mama didn't tell me how to live. She showed me. And I was like, okay, that's what I want to do for my kids. And um, so it was just, it was a relief to hear that, doing well if you're doing it 40% of the time, but also knowing that it's possible to be a safe parent, and the posture in which you parent reflects that. Um, the foundation of a safe haven is a secure parent, and this is where, like Chip said, this is going to be kind of heavy um, focus on you guys as parents and us as parents. Um, really I'm good. Really in examining, you know, are you working on yourself? We tend to parent to our level of maturity, um, and it tends to cap out there. So looking at your background, how that's affecting your parenting, if you were somebody who was in a family where there was abuse, where there was neglect, if there was addiction, that is going to impact the way that you parent, and dealing with that is, is going to be extremely important. And we're just going to kind of skirt over a lot of this today. Um, am I in control of my emotions? Um, asking yourself, am I a voider? Am I an exploder or am I an imploder? And looking at that because your kids are going to model that same thing. Um, understanding is so, so important. And looking at what is behind your child's emotions. When your child explodes, we have a teenager. And there's just so many emotions um, <laughs> that go on in the house. And 
a lot of times we miss out on opportunities because we raise our level of response to his explosion and it turns into something that's not productive but typically and I think with each of us underneath that intense emotion there's fear there's anxiety Um, we've had stuff happen with the kids where we've been able to look underneath and something's happened with a friend they don't want to go to a party because somebody's saying something ugly about them and we could have just you know exploded back at them and missed that opportunity so really looking underneath um, their emotions we had an issue several years ago because I, I you, you know you compare your parenting back to your your own parents right I mean it's just natural you know you, you could have had great parents you could have had poor parents uh, but um, you always go back and you think well what do they do or this is how I was raised and um, I remember you know my dad is a great godly man he was in law enforcement and so he could see straight through you at this I mean he knew if you were lying y'all I was a parent my, my parents were teachers so I couldn't get away with anything at school and I was always in trouble there and a law enforcement guy in the community and so if I did something outside I was they knew about it before I got home I mean it was just bad and so uh it kept me out of a lot of trouble thankfully but um so I was riding down the road with my dad one day and I was like dad I can't get one of my kids to I think Kate was four at this point and I just, I just can't get him to mind. Am I doing something wrong? Would you tell me if I'm doing something wrong? I'm really trying to be a good parent because, I mean, learning to parent and, and parent together is hard, right? And so and he said, he said, well, yeah. Well, later that night, we invited him over for dinner, and uh, Kate had asked to watch TV for something, and I didn't really want him to, but you know how kids will push, and then they'll go to the other parent, and then they'll kind of play the parents. Y'all, y'all's kids don't do that, do you? Okay, but ours do. And, and so, you know, and, and finally I just looked at him and he turned on the TV after one of us had said yes. And, uh, but I was emphatic that he was, so Sarah Beth must have said yes. I was emphatic and didn't say no. And I didn't hear her say yes to him. And he turned on the TV and I said, Cade, I told you not to turn that TV on. And I flipped the TV off. He picked up the remote and flung it across the room and it blew up on the kitchen table. And my dad said, that was a bad parenting moment. <laughs> Dinner ended quickly. <laughs> But there's truth in that. You know what I'm saying? There's emotions behind that response. Oh, he was wrong for doing that, but we weren't together on what was happening. And so we, in fact, caused the response. Does that make sense? And so uh, there's some things with that. There's a lot of things with that. Um, (laughs) um, Being present is something that's so important. And kind of just reiterating what we just said, if your child's emotions. That's the second blank. I was just making sure. Number two. Okay, yeah. Um, Being present is so important. Um, Parenting as a safe haven creates a calming effect on children's brains. They've done studies on children's brains as they develop, and when you are a safe, secure, um, in control of your emotions type of parent, your child's brain functioning develops better, um, and emotionally they're going to be more stable and and calm and secure. And um, and that's where – that can just – to me, I need reminders like that to, so that I can remind myself, you know, instead of being minimizing and dismissing when they're being annoying and just kind of punishing them, quit doing that, look and see, okay, what's going on with my kid right here? You know, how can I help them develop whatever's going on? And we're so busy, and I think a lot of times with us, bad parenting moments come from being busy and being distracted. Um, and so doing that is going to help your child's brain develop um, the best it can. Um, United Front, you want to talk to that? Sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, you guys got to, if, if, you know, two-parent households, you've got to be together. You've got to be on the same page. 
You got to be the same page about your values. You got to be on the same page about how you discipline. You got to communicate and talk about that. There's going to be disagreements. That's why we did the marriage thing last week. But, you know, you got to be on the same page with each other or you're giving your child two conflict, you know, conflicting messages. Um, and eventually they're going to play off that. And the, and the consequences of that are going to be pretty horrendous when they get to be teenagers and the consequences for their actions get even even more. Does that make sense? And so when you guys are a united front together in front of your children, the better. Now, Sarah Beth and I disagree on what the consequence or maybe a child shouldn't have gotten in trouble about this or been punished for this about certain things or how to do it, but I'm not going to interrupt her in the heat of the battle. I mean, I'm just not for my own sake and for the children's as well, you know, but and, and, and vice versa. And we'll bring each other off the side. I did not agree with the way you did that. Well, I don't agree with you. Know, and then that's when we go back to the marriage seminar, and I'm right, and, or you're right, and I'm wrong. But all that stuff being said is that you got to have a united front. And when one is said, it's like I, I used to do this all the time with my parents. Is You know, at church, it was the worst time. I was like, well, such and such come over to my house today. Well, go ask your mama. And we'll go ask your mama. And go ask your daddy. Well, daddy said yes. Well, daddy didn't. Well, I'm saying no. And then I'd play them against each other and get my way, you know. Our children know, and it, it's been hard, and we've gotten in fights about it. If I say no, she says no. You know, even if she disagrees with it, whoever says it first, that's the way it's going to be. So, united front. Devices is another thing. You know what? Not only does your children doesn't care, but the world doesn't care what you did today on Facebook. And so, put it in your pocket. Put your phone away. The average dad spends about 10 to 15 minutes at home with his children and family. And so these little smartphones we have, tablets that we have that we find ourselves consumed with, put it away. Uh, you know, find a place to put them and don't let it interrupt your time. And so technology has become a, a serious problem. That's definitely something that I see um, with families is technology interferes so much with communication time, with time where we would be, you know, interacting, having fun together. Um, and I know a lot of times I'm guilty of it, too. I don't even realize it, that I'm on it, that I'm, you know, so engrossed in it. So even having, you know, a basket to put it in, if it's after, you know, 8 o'clock, if that's what you guys agree on, everybody puts it in the basket. So it, And it seems more fair to your kids, too, if you're off your device. And, um, and then um, one other thing, we've talked about this um, before, is 15 minutes a day with your kids can stave off a lot of problems. Um, if you sit down with your kiddo for about 15 minutes, let them direct the activity, of course, within reasonable bounds that it's safe and all that, um, but they're going to feel poured into, and um, when they get that attention from you, they're going to be less likely to have behaviors that are not going to be desirable, and um, you also connect, and you know what's going on in their world, and understanding, um, that kind of leads into the next section is. Let me um, speak to something real quick. Okay. How many of you guys have a job to where even when you leave work, it's still going? Any of y'all like that? A couple. I'm like that. Uh, I'm on call all the time, uh, you know. And so what I've had to learn to do, and this is for those of you who can't leave work at work, um, is um, I have to. I, I've gotten to the point where if I'm in the car alone with my children, many times I'll ask my kid, "Can I can't take this call? If you don't want me to right now, I won't." And, and so. That's just something to think about, uh, you know, because I know that car time alone with my kids is a valuable time. They can't go anywhere. 
<laughs> and so, and then when you have little kids, look over here at Sarah and Jason, you just want to have like a like a glass window to slide up between you and the kids. That way the, the milkshake doesn't get on you guys and the screaming goes away. But when you get when they get older, you just want them to say, hey, you know, that kind of thing. So, uh, but, but, you know, that might be something you want to implement that I started doing a couple of years ago is like, do you mind if I take this phone call? I really need to talk to this person. But if you say no, then you're the boss. And it seems to help. The framework of understanding, I think, is the next session that you guys have. Um, the first part of it is model understanding um, for your kids. And this, what this looks like, again, is kind of going back to gospel-centered parenting. Act interested in them. Let them know that they matter. Ask them questions about their day, about their opinions, about what they think. Um, always be going back to the gospel. If you're not sure how to parent, look at how Jesus treats us look at what he does and says in his word and again it's so important for us to be in the word so that we know what Christ is like so that we can model that to our children he's a perfect father um do you okay all right um we already touched on this try not to raise your emotions to the level of your children's emotions um, if they yell, one trick that I've tried sometimes is whispering. You know, if they're way up here, I try whispering, and it kind of throws them off, and they're like, what's going on? Um, so throw them off a little bit. Keep them, keep them on their toes. Um, model a timeout is something I've had to do a lot with my kiddos is mommy needs a, a timeout right now. And so I'll go outside and sit on the porch, or I'll go in my room, and I've shown them deep breathing techniques in the car do it to get calm to deal with them um, but modeling that so that it's not just all the focus on well you need to do this and you're wrong all the time and that there's a time for that they need to understand that their behavior is not acceptable but know your triggers and knowing their triggers is going to help you to be a more effective parent um, too uh, with with that going back to the gospel uh, is always infusing that in the decisions and the reactions that you have towards those children because um, our next section basically deals with this whole understanding that each kid will need a different strategy on how you raise them. How many of you guys have multiple children? Um, and so almost everyone here in this room, a couple of us uh, with, with uh, just one, um, and, and you may be the smartest people here. Um, but <laughs> when you have more than one, you've got more than one personality. You got more than one child to raise, and I had to learn a long time ago, uh, and still learning this. My daughter responds very differently to discipline, to love, to the interest than my son does, and and it's difficult for me sometimes to maneuver through that. Trying to, I grew up in a male-heavy household, and so trying to understand the female perspective, trying to understand the creative side of my daughter, uh, has been a great thing for me. Uh, she's. Uh, I'm looking at Beverly and John making slime. Do y'all make that at your house? God bless America. But my children make slime. I didn't know you could do that. But I'm telling you, spare moments, she's making this thing called slime, and it's the whole rage. Y'all don't know that. It's the thing to do. But she's like, you know, this slime is made out of butter, it feels like. This slime has got sparkles. And this, I'm like, great. Can you clean it up? You know, but, um, and so, but trying to understand that, you know, she's different than my boy who's doing something. You know, he's WrestleMania three off the back of the couch. And so, you know, every child is going to have some different things, and you've got to have different strategies for child. What you do for one child is not going to work for the other child. Y'all know that. 
However, we don't apply that, right? And so we've got almost, that's where you, Sarah Beth said this, your parenting, my parenting, Sarah Beth's parenting is going to raise the level of our own personal maturity. And so we have to up our game in order to do a better job. So a couple things, know their personalities. That's going to be different. Know their love languages. We talked about marriage. Every couple needs to know each other's love language. It's a great book. There's also a children's book, Knowing Your Children's Love Languages, How They Best Feel Love. Check that out. And there's some stuff online that you can just, just Google kids love languages, and it will come to that. And there's a test that you can give your child to do that. And then gender-specific stuff. Um, and, and I'm going through a new thing now is I have a young lady in my household now. And so there's some rooms I can't walk into anymore without knocking first. And so that's a new thing for me. And uh, it, it's, it's in reality I don't want to deal with yet, but uh, it, it's, just, it's just truth. And so understanding how, to, how, how those genders and how to deal with those. Because, I mean, look, there's some days I come home from work, and I, like I said, we got a 13-year-old, one's screaming, one's crying, and so is Sarah Beth, and I just go outside and talk to the dog. And so I, I, I don't know what to do. So <laughs> It's not that bad, but it's like, what is going on, Lord? All right, sorry. Um, a few other things is, Chip and I were planning this. We, we talked some about special needs, and um, a lot of families are touched by this. There's, there's differences in kids just because of who they are, but then there's also differences if they do have some special needs. And, you know, there's everything from anxiety to if you're on the autism spectrum. Um, and you're going to need extra support if you've got a kiddo with special needs in your home. You're going to need to really, really be a study of that child and understand what it brings out in you and then also how to equip your child best. And, I mean, if you guys ever need to talk about that, um, I don't have time to go further into it, but I definitely have a heart for that. So would love to talk about just supporting you in that and, and resources and that kind of thing. But it definitely that that – that takes a toll on a family, and it can be a wonderful thing, too. It can, again, make you more and more like Christ, um, very refining, though, for sure. Um, Chip and I were talking about birth order, how that can be a thing, too. That affects your children a lot of times, and every kid is different. I don't want to put a kid in a box, but birth order um, can affect that. These are all just things to look into if you're wanting to understand your child better. Um, be a student of your child. Um, our kids are polar opposites like completely and one of them I understand a little bit more than the other one so I've had to study a little bit more um I think all y'all are crazy <laughs> I don't understand anybody at home <laughs> it is I know God has a, a great sense of humor um but it definitely is is a refining thing um for sure so be a student of your child let them know that you care that much about them in order to understand where they're coming from and just their, yeah, their different personalities. Um, the next session we're going to talk about is setting expectations and setting boundaries. Um, we talked about boundaries some in the marriage um, part of this section. A boundary basically tells you what is yours and what is not yours. Um, and with children, there's <laughs> again, there's so much we could go into with this. I'm trying to refrain from going too deep into it, but setting good, healthy, consistent boundaries with your kids is going to let them know what you expect. Just basically be clear. Tell them what you expect. If you tell your child to clean their room, um, I have one child that will go upstairs and, you know, it'll be clean, and the other one is like, I don't even know what to do. And so there will be a huge meltdown. There will be a huge battle of the wills as 
breaking that task down specifically, okay, this is what I expect. Clothes hung up, the trash off the floor, shoes in the closet, letting them know um, on, on a lot of different levels clearly what you expect. Um, and sometimes you have to be even more clear. I mean, we had one, uh, you know, how many of you guys, even as a child, or maybe you have children that are, I call them bed stuffers. They take everything and stuff it underneath their bed. Y'all know what I'm talking about? We were cleaning out from one of our kids' beds one day, and uh, we had had a church function three months before, and we found a petrified hot dog they had stuck underneath. Y'all have seen that happen? It's like, all right, let me just be clear about my expectations. If you have a hot dog in your room, don't put it under the bed, all right? And so, <laughs> uh, Power struggles are another thing um, that we deal with a lot at our house. Um, asking yourself the question, how does this interaction help me with the future? Um, how does this help my child in the future? A lot of times we tend to want to win a power struggle, and that is not a great motivation um, for interacti interacting with your kids. You want to make sure that the interaction is helpful, that it's not about winning, that you're pointing them towards Christ, and you're looking really, like Chip mentioned before, at the heart issue. Be clear, be consistent consequences. Make sure that there are clear consequences. This is the boundary, and if you cross this or if, you know, you do this again, this is what's going to happen, and then follow through with it. Um, yeah, I, and I think, too, this is where um, you really you really need to fine-tune your parenting because, and ours, too, is many times we feel like that um, parenting, or what, what, let me go backwards. When we talk about this gospel-centered parenting, I hope you're not hearing like, oh, just love your child, understand their emotions, and hug them, and make sure. No, sometimes you gotta kick them in the rear. Not I mean, that's metaphorical, okay? Uh, and, and I mean, some. I mean, you need to bring the hammer down. You need to make sure there are consequences involved in that. But let's go back to our text, not in an exasperating way. Um, and so, if you're saying, oh, well, let's just love them and understand their emotions and there's problems behind that and coach them through it, there's a time for that. There's also a time where your child's a sinner and they understand there's consequences in this and they need to deal with those consequences. And so, be the disciplinarian. You know, be the disciplinarian. And Sarah Beth said this, be consistent. I'm very inconsistent and I have to work on this. And so, be consistent because sometimes, and Sarah Beth said this a lot, I'm not about doing what's easy, I'm about doing what's right. And I think for many of us in this room, we just want you to shut up, you know. And I had a uh, girl in our last church that we served at, had four kids. They were uh, between the ages, I want to say, of two, or let's say three and six or seven or something like that, eight. And, uh, I mean, dude, it was like bam, bam. I mean, they were just, just stair steps. And um, I went on a retreat with them and their family. And uh, she said, all right, kids, it's time for a, a time for your vitamins. And lined them up. They all took a vitamin. It was Benadryl. And so she gave everyone a minute. I was like, what? I called Sarah Beth. We just said, okay, it is okay to do that, you know? And so it's working for them. But, uh, you know, I get that. But you do what's right versus what's hard. Okay, real quick, uh, parenting uh, may be more uh, caught than taught, maybe more caught than taught. First um, Corinthians 11.1 1 makes this statement. Uh, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Find good parents, maybe they're yours, maybe they're not yours, and understand what they, how they parent. Ask good questions, read books, read blogs, do whatever you got to do. Uh, the worst advice you're going to get is online social media. Just be honest with yourself about that. 
And so uh, get get with people, network with people about that. But understand, and Sarah Beth said this earlier, you know, my sister put a, gave my mom a picture, and it basically said, my mom didn't tell me how to live. She showed me, and, and it's the same thing. And you're showing your kids how to live. And so understand that. Psalm 103, uh, verse 12, um, uh, that is not right. So let me go backwards. Verse 8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Take on those same characteristics for your children. You be abounding in love, but be slow to anger. Be slow to anger. Um, you know, our, we take our children's wrath personally. Would you all agree on that? We take it, we just take it so personally sometimes. And I'm with you. I'm there. However, you got to go back to the reality. Your child's a sinner, and you're showing them Jesus. It's not personal, okay? It's not personal. Um, now, I'm going to say that to myself. Because what's going to happen is after this seminar, my daughter's going to join the Hells Angels. All right. So what I want you to understand is we're giving you these principles here, knowing that we are we have we we fall Don't short. Remind us. Remind us of this stuff. So, uh, um. next one is safe relationship is love minus fear. A safe relationship is love minus the fear. And uh, Sarah. Um, our culture these days tends to increase our fear, and um, I see this in myself a lot and in a lot of parents that I've worked with is we tend to parent out of fear or out of guilt or out of embarrassment and that tends to lend itself to not very positive interactions with our kids we're not going to set clear boundaries with them when fear is our main motivation when embarrassment when it's our pride a lot of times it gets in the way we're embarrassed or we feel like our child is a reflection of us and they've shamed us so we're going to shame them Um, so being aware of that will help us to set better boundaries and, and decrease um, our fear. Um, I know as a new mom, I really struggled with um, just comparison and, oh, my gosh, social media, your kid's not doing what this kid's doing, and this article says that, and it's just it's maddening. Um, so really, again, taking it back to the gospel, looking at what God wants us to do as parents and about we're not alone in this. We've got each other, and we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, too. So that decreases a lot of our fear. Um, and Christ increases our confidence um, as, as we spend that time with him and as we keep that perspective focused on Christ. I remember trying this whole culture versus fear thing. And even as dads, we deal with this, too. And it's like, I'm going to make my kids geniuses. And I remember putting out a world map on the floor. And Cade, I think, was 18 months, two years old. I'm like, Africa? North America, South America, you know, South America, Europe, you know, all these things. Now, Cade, point to Africa. <laughs> you got it. This kid is so smart. He is so smart, and we are all like that. Nobody goes, man, my kid is an absolute moron. No. I mean, <laughs> later on you say that, but, you know, at the beginning, it's like, isn't this, this child is the most beautiful, most intelligent thing I have. Is, is this Jesus, you know? <laughs> you know, what, you know, no, you know. Culture drives so many things. Don't let culture drive our parent, your parenting. Let Jesus drive your parenting. Um, and God created our children. I mean, again, they're sinners. But there's, there's characteristics in them that God can absolutely use to refine us. And God has a complete purpose in creating them the way that he did. And really speaking into our kids' strengths, telling them who they are versus, you know, you're not a bad kid because you just slapped your sister. That's sin. And that's wrong. You're a child of God. Now, how do you want to be? Who are you? What do you want your future to look like? And instilling that, and obviously with a two- or three-year-old, it's going to look different, that conversation. But 
um, reminding your kids whose they are. If they're a believer, they're a child of God, and they're not defined by what they do. And that can be a huge game changer when they understand God's grace um, and, and motivating them to turn from that sin. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Do you want me to do the next yes. one? Yes. Okay. The next one is the culminating effect of love. Um, and what we have here. R- is really, the culminating effect of love, <laughs> according to my notes, not yours, yeah. um, is, uh, <laughs> is basically what type of parent are you IDing, IDing your parent type because how you are and how you respond, good or bad, is going to be the effect. Uh, or is going to be how you love and how that affects your children. Makes sense. And so let's ID what type of parent you are, which you're going to do that because I. Okay. There's different types of parents, and there's a lot of theories on this. Um, I'm sure you guys have heard of the helicopter parent, the kind of hovery parent that, okay, you can't. Basically, the message is you can't handle this. Mommy's going to help you do it, and you're going to be dependent on me forever. And um, <laughs> I don't know if y'all want that. I know I don't. So that kind of motivates me to step back <laughs> from being a helicopter parent. Um, there's the type of parent that's your BFF where, you know, there's no real consequences. There's not good boundaries established. Do whatever you want, um, and that's fine. Um, not a real good setup for a child. Again, it's not teaching them healthy boundaries. Um, there's the religious parent, um, which I'm a little more familiar with this. I kind of grew up in this, um, where there's a lot of really rigid, strict moral boundaries Um the focus is on what you do and, and not whose you are, not so much your relationship with Christ, but you're either good or you're bad because of what you do. And a lot of those kids tend to go buck wild when they leave home because they don't understand boundaries. Again, it's just a more extreme form instead of, you know, they've had not enough teaching, not enough experience in life and freedom. Um, and then there's the boss. I'm right, you're wrong, shut up, be quiet. Um, and a lot of times relationships are extremely squelched in that there's not the safety like we talked about in the home, and the child could be fearful of the parent, um, avoidant, um, seek outside relationships um, instead of relationship with the parents. Um, but that's just those are a few of the different types, and figuring out which type you are, why you tend to go that way, a lot of it has to do with how we were brought up um, or how we feel about parenting, if we're parenting fearfully. I know I find myself in one of these categories. Do you guys? I mean, I'm the boss. That's who I feel. And my, my word of the day is because I said so. And I used to hate that explanation. And I find myself giving that explanation. But sometimes it's not a good explanation. Um, and so there's a way to bring in Jesus to all that. And so find out where your weaknesses are and let God leverage your strengths in that. The last thing I want to mention is the importance of spiritual growth. Um, and here's the question we kind of want to leave you with. Um, are you the adult you want your kids to be? Because that's what we're raising them to do, right? Are you the adult you want your kids to be? This may be a good thing for you to do is to go home by yourself or with your spouse and write down the things that you want your children to be and ask yourselves, am I being that? You know, am I, am I exhibiting that? Because here's the thing, they're going to do Typically what you do, you are their pattern in life. Now, I want to, and Sarah Beth's got another question, um, but I want to kind of end my part with this, is I want you to notice, let's go back to our scripture verse. You see that? 
Where does it start? What's the first word? Okay. Now, we're going to use that as moms and dads, but it starts with you. It doesn't say teachers. It doesn't say a youth group leader or a pastor. It doesn't say your parents. You know what? It's you, and how you set the tone is how that relationship with your child is going to be. You and, and I want to just kind of speak in this for two seconds because we've got we're one minute over. Um, is your parents or your in-laws do not and should not have the credibility in your child's life as you do. You're the parent. You feel me on that? Because that becomes a that becomes a that becomes water that gets frozen in the rock and splits it in half, even in your own marriage. Same thing with a teacher or aunt or uncle or even one spouse. It's you guys. And so let it begin there. Make sense? And so uh, that's the preacher coming out in me. But it's truth. I mean, what, we, what we've told you here all comes from this one verse as we kind of uh, trying to live this out with you and uh, pray with us as we pray for you, for your kids, for our kids together. Make sense? And Sarah Beth is going to knock it over the fence. Thanks about that. But kind of the final question I was thinking is, um, again, I like to ask myself questions a lot. Um, but what is it going to take us? to get where God's called us to be as parents, as Christ followers, and sit down with your spouse or sit down and, and, you know, as an individual and reflect on that. What does God want me to do for my next step? And just ask him, pray about it, take time and and reflect on that and just see where God is leading you. Um, As you parent your children, you know, do I need to take a next step and do I need to go talk to somebody about what I've been through? Do I need to go and, um, you know, apologize to my spouse for something I've done, or do I need to really spend more time with God, be more consistent um, in small group or church, those type of things, um, but just asking yourself that question, what is it going to take um, for me to get where God wants me to be? Absolutely. Let's take a minute. Do you have a question, maybe something you did you missed that we said, or something to clarify, or maybe a question for Sarah Beth? Uh, <laughs> notice didn't say shit. Um, that uh, maybe you missed, and we'll take like three minutes maybe to clarify something we said or, or didn't say. Anybody? Well, first, we have to do it. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I would like to. I would like to title it. Um, that's just, I like to label things, but that doesn't work in my family. If you title something, it's like, I don't know, it's just chaos. Um, so I'll sit on the front porch with Cade while he hangs upside down and sword fight with him or, yes. That's more what it looks like in our house. Um, yeah. You have to clear. Declarations. For people who are, there's three in our household, and I, I'm not going to tell you which one is it this way, but there's three people in our home of four who go against the grain, and declarations don't work well. I'm so compliant, it's ridiculous. So, <laughs> you got to figure out the rhythm, I think. Any other questions, thoughts, clarifications?
Is there anything from the last two weeks you guys maybe want to clarify you went home and talked about and said that didn't make sense or maybe we need a little follow-up on that or anything we've done with marriage and we've done creating a safe home environment? Um, I'd be happy to help you guys. We're, we're for you. We're for the families of this church. We started it so that we can bring truth and people together, and that's why we talk about this gospel-centered approach. Um, you know, we can preach forever about your marriage. Honestly, I could do a, a sermon series on marriage and parenting every year and still have the same families coming back with the same problems. Well, I believe the reason is is because we don't inf- we don't put the gospel in the middle of all that. And so I, I, I'm a firm believer, we're firm believers in this whole concept of gospel living. Uh, is it tough? Yes. Uh, is it good? Absolutely. And so uh, if we can help you with anything, point you to resources. Sarah Best got bookshelves full of resources and people we can help you take advantage of and uh, be more than happy to do that. I also want to put this out here. If there is counseling needs, and Sarah Beth doesn't see church folks, uh, and uh, I do, uh, and we will together um, just for maybe once or twice, and if it's something more, more t- things that I, I can't handle, we'll, we'll send you to some other folks who are qualified Christian counselors because we do life with you guys, and there's some details you may not want us to know about you with a straight face. Make sense? And we'll be absolutely, ha- absolutely happy to help you and move forward. Uh, but we will get you connected with the right people, and if we're the right people, we'll help you with that. Uh, I've, I've been in ministry 20 years, long enough to know that I'm not the right person to always help a person in a certain situation. And so uh, if there are any needs like that, we want to help you. Same thing for your kids and point them in the right direction. So we have that available. So It has been awesome. I've enjoyed 3D. Have you all? Food's been good. Absolutely. Right? Hopefully nobody gets a stomach flu this weekend. Uh, and uh, I know who the host is. Uh, and, so, <laughs> and so there was one of somebody in this room. I'm just not going to say who. Uh, and, um, and so uh, with that being said, put it on your calendars for the end of January, beginning of February. And we'll be announcing those probably in about November about what those topics will be. We're going to try to do this three times a year. So uh, tell everybody they need to come to it. Sound good? Let me pray for us. And if y'all can help us tear down these tables and set up chairs, it would be awesome. Thank y'all for being willing to do that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for the gift of life. Be with these children that we have the incredible blessing to parent. God, they are your gift to us, but, Lord, we are stewards. And we know at, at the same time, God, they're your children first. So give us the strength to parent them appropriately. And uh, we pray that every child represented in this room comes to Jesus. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.